Hey, if you guys, uh, if this is your first time or if you're new here to Voice, my name is Joe. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, David, on the mic. Um, I'm the worship pastor here at Voice. Um, yeah, oh, thank you guys. So most Sundays you'll see me up here with a guitar. Um, this is a little bit of a different vibe for me. I've always thought it'd be fun to, to mix the two, like a teaching thing and a worship thing. Like, did you guys ever see School of Rock with Jack Black? <laughs> Where he's like walking around the room with the guitar. I don't know. Maybe next time. I'll have to try to work that in at some point in the near future. Um, Let me ask you guys a question as we get started today. How many of you guys in the room speak a language other than English? Bilingual, trilingual. Awesome. That is so cool. I have so much respect for you guys who are bilingual. I feel like my brain just cannot do it. You know, like I've tried. I, I took Spanish for a few years in high school. Uh, And I've had friends who are Spanish speakers, and I'll start to feel like, okay, I'm kind of getting it. I've got some of the words down. I've got some of the phrases down. But then I get into a a situation where I'm trying to speak it to someone I've never met, and it's just everything just falls out of my brain. Have you guys ever had that experience before? Like, you're like, man, I I thought I knew it. I was planning what to say, and then I just, I lost it, you know? Uh, and Spanish speakers are always super friendly and encouraging, like they're rooting for you. But even then, there's this panic that sort of settles in that, I, I, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, but for you guys who are fluent in more than one language, I'm sure you know this well. When you're translating words from, from one language to another, there's some words that just don't translate well. You know, like, because language is not simply words, right? It, it, language is tied into a certain culture. It's, turned in, it, it's tied to a certain time and, and place. So there's going to be some things that certain people say that you go, yeah, there's just, there's not an English word that works well, you know? So we do our best, but um, it just doesn't seem to work. So just for fun, as we're kind of getting started this morning, I thought, I, I, you know, I, I did a little bit of research, a little Google searching, and I thought, what are some of the interesting words in other languages that simply don't translate well into English. Like good words that we maybe need to consider, you know, becoming a part of our our regular vernacular, right? So here's just a few of them that I think were really good. The first one is a Japanese word, yokomeshi. And I'm probably going to butcher many of these uh, pronunciations. I apologize in advance for that. Yokomeshi is used to convey the stress induced while speaking a foreign language. So you see, there's actually a word (laughs) in Japanese for that, that panic that I experienced, right? I love that. Yoko Meshi. I am a sufferer of this condition. Here's another one. This is a Korean word. Gilchi, if I'm saying that correctly. This is what you call someone who has a terrible sense of direction and who constantly gets lost. Are there any other Gilchis in the room other than me? A few of you guys. Yeah, like... I, I mean, before, you know, I get lost even with mapping and GPS telling me, like, I'll still take the wrong turn. I'll still find a way, amen, right, <laughs> to do that. Um, back, you know, when I was driving back in the 90s when I was a teenager, and I remember, like, it got to the point where I would get lost so easily, I started disobeying my natural instincts. So I'd be like, if I think I should turn left here, I'm just going to turn right instead. And I started finding things better just by totally going against everything that was inside of me. It was so weird. Um, Here's another one. Jenny and I love this word because um, we love Denmark. We have good friends who are Danish, and we've been there many times. The pronunciation, I think, is huga. 
Um, maybe you've seen this. If you go to Ikea, like they'll have it on like the, the floor mats and candles and things like that. It's a Scandinavian thing. They use it in, in Sweden as well. Um, it describes the emotional warmth created by relaxing in the company of loved ones, such as good friends and family. It usually involves spending the evening at home, getting cozy by candlelight with warm blankets, watching the, the glow of a roaring log, you know, building a snowman in, with your children. We never do that in Southern California, but you get the idea, right? It's finding joy and contentment in just the simple pleasures of life. Something beautiful about that. They've actually, Huga is like this whole concept in Denmark. They've written books about it. Someone actually bought us a board game. We haven't played it yet, a Huga board game. So the next one, a couple more. Next one, I'm going to put it up on the screen. We're going to have it, I think we're going to have it up on the screen for you guys. This is a Finnish word. And I, I didn't just like mash a bunch of, you know, keys on my keyboard. This is actually... The spelling. Does anyone want to want to try to pronounce this for us? <laughs> yeah, go for it. That's better than I would have done. Good job, Ruben. Yeah. There's so many Y's. They use Y as like a very consistent letter, right? Anyway, whatever the pronunciation is, the word means bouncy cushion satisfaction. So it describes the pleasure and satisfaction derived from sitting or bouncing on a bouncy cushion. Like, the only thing I could think of was when I was a kid, and I think, they, I think Jenny told me last night, it was called a, a hippity hop, hippity hop. It was like this ball, and sometimes it would have like an animal's head, and you would go, you'd like bounce around on it. You guys remember those? There was something strangely satisfying about that bouncing the ball around feeling. I think there was an episode of Friends, right, where Phoebe, like, was bouncing everywhere she went on her. So th maybe that gets close to what they're talking about, that bouncy cushion satisfaction. A couple more. I'm almost done. If Arno is here today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a French word for him. I think this is also the French word for yogurt. Yaourt, I think is how it's pronounced, but I'm probably wrong. They also use this word to describe the need to sing along to a song even though you don't know the lyrics. <laughs> so instead, you use nonsensical noises that vaguely resemble the lyrics of a song. You guys ever do that, like when you're driving around in your car? You know, like, you know the melody and you kind of got it, but you just haven't taken time. Even us worship leaders do that at times, to be honest with you guys, you know. We're, we have to fake it till we make it a little bit sometimes, too. Okay, last one before we move on. This is a Georgian word, not the, the state, the country, Georgia. Shamamajam. Shamamajam is a Georgian word. It's when you eat something because it's so yummy and delicious, even though you're not hungry, right? Like green bean casserole, something like that. No. Actually, the other day, um, my son Jude and I, we were driving, you know, in the morning, driving by this really good donut shop in our neighborhood, and I was like, dude, we should stop and get a donut. And he was like, I'm not hungry. And I said, well, what does that have to do with it? Like, since when do you eat donuts just because you're hungry? They're delicious, and you just eat them because they're amazing, right? That's shamama jam, right? E eating in that way. So where am I going with this, right? Well, uh, the Old Testament, I'm sure many of you guys know, was not written, the, the Bible was not written in English. Uh, the primary languages, it was written in the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. And just like those other words from other languages that don't really translate well into English, there's many words in those languages that also are difficult to find a translation 
into English in, in Hebrew as well. We've been going through this series in the Proverbs, and Proverbs is an Old Testament book, so it's primarily um, written in Hebrew. And one of the words that you'll find throughout the Old Testament, and in the book of Proverbs, we're going to look at a passage in just a moment, is the word shalom. Have you guys ever heard shalom? It's like one of the famous Hebrew words. Um, any Bible scholars that want to try to tell me, how is the word shalom normally translated in our Bibles? Peace. Peace. Right, right. That's the main way you'll hear the word uh, shalom translated. But really, when you start to, to look at how it's used biblically, scripturally, it's more, it's, it's more many-sided than simply peace. Sometimes here in the West, we think of um, peace as lack of warfare, right? There's not active fighting going on. Therefore, we have peace. And the Hebrew um, idea of shalom is so much more kind of holistic than that. Here's, here's the outline of how it's used in the Bible in a few different ways. It could be completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, of course. Uh, it could describe having good health you know, within our bodies. I'm in a state of shalom. Uh, prosperity, things are going well um, with our vocation, with our work. Tranquility, you know, kind of a sense of, of inner peace that we have, you know, we're a tranquil kind of person. And then contentment with God and with people. We have contentment in our lives in, in what God has given us and what he's doing. Therefore, we have shalom. So you kind of, hopefully you're starting to get a sense of what I mean. Shalom is this idea of a life that's following in the path of God's wisdom, and through that is experiencing God's blessing in some way. If you go to Israel today, um, they actually use this word, shalom. It's, it's a greeting, and it's, it's hello, and it's goodbye as well. So you'll say shalom when you see someone uh, the first part of the day, and then at the end of the day, you might even double it up. They'll say shalom, shalom, you know? Um, and I'm sure for them, it's a very like, you know, hi, bye kind of a thing. But in my mind, it's kind of a cool thing when I've heard, when I've been to Israel and, and heard people speaking it um, and saying that because I'm like, that's cool. It's almost like a little prayer. Like, I'm here to bring shalom, right, into this situation. I want to see the blessing and the goodness of God uh, within our, our interaction today. And when you leave, you're almost saying, hey, peace, God's goodness be upon you as, as we end this time together. Um, so as I said, I want to take a moment to look at a few passages from the Proverbs that talk about this word shalom, where this word shalom is used. Um, the, they're, all, they're both from Proverbs chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, you can open it there to Proverbs 3. I think we're also going to have it up on the screen here for you guys. Uh, the first one is verses 1 through 4 in chapter 3. It says, My son... Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you, here's the word shalom, peace and prosperity. There it is. Uh, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will, will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You know, here's this description of walk in the, the path of God's wisdom and as you do that, it leads to this shalom. And then there's a blessing that comes upon our relationships with God, with other people as well. And then I'm going to go down to verse uh, 13. It's interesting, just a quick note, 
wisdom, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is often personified as a woman. You know, God's wisdom is personified as a woman kind of crying out in the street, saying, come and, and learn and soak in this, this good wisdom. So this is what it says. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths are peace. And there's that word, shalom again. All her paths are shalom. You start to get a sense when you read through the Proverbs that that's the goal. I don't know if many of you guys ha have had the opportunity this month, you know, or now we're done, right? But in, in October, to, to kind of go on this journey of reading through the Proverbs, we had our, our um, daily devotionals within the book. And if you spent some time in there, you might have recognized, yeah, there's just a lot of sayings, you know, just uh, little quick one-liners, right? This leads to this, this leads to this back and forth, up and down, this is what's good, this is what's bad kind of a thing. And it'd be easy to get lost in the weeds of that, I think, and, and go, yeah, you know, it's just a whole lot of do's and don'ts, you know, do this, don't do that kind of thing. But you get a sense from that passage in chapter 3 that all of this wisdom is meant to lead us somewhere. It's not just so we can check boxes on, I'm doing all the right stuff, you know, I, I'm living the way I should kind of a thing. But it's this idea that when we're listening to God, when we're soaking in the wisdom that he has for us, when we're walking in the path of discipleship to Jesus, that he brings this shalom into our lives. We can't create it or sustain it. It's not something like, well, if I do all these things right, then God has to do this. But it's, it's as we follow Jesus, as we walk in this path, God brings this blessing, this contentment, you know, this prosperity, this, this health into our lives. That's not a promise of no issues or problems that we might face. That's not a promise of, you know, everything you do and touch is just going to be turned to gold. But it's a problem that, or it's, a, it's, a, it's saying that God's blessing is going to be upon you. And you're going to see it as you walk in this path. You guys get the sense that we're, we're living in a world that's actively pursuing shalom these days? Mm, not so much, right? Uh, in fact, quite the opposite, really. You know, one look at uh, the news, one look at kind of the way so many are just living um, seems to be going in quite the opposite direction. And so I think as, as followers of, of Jesus, of his way of peace, um, this is something that we have to kind of fight for. We have to pursue it. It's not just a matter of passively being like, cool, well, I'll I'll be shalomy, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, if we're, we're hip together, we can shalom on the weekends or whatever. No, it's actually like an active pursuit. Like, I want this in my life. I want to experience this. I want to know what this shalom is all about. I want the, the goodness and the blessing and the contentment of God to fall upon me. And so we walk in this path. The gospel message teaches us that God himself actively pursued us in the mess of who we are, right? That God wasn't content to leave his relationship with us in a, in a broken place. That he came to us in the person of Jesus. As we move into, you know, the Christmas season, that's the thing that always is so amazing to me, that God himself took on this human flesh, 
God himself descended, lived among us, dwelt among us, spoke among us, you know, did miracles among us, and then ultimately died on the, on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave, that we might then come back to that place of shalom with God to bring healing, to bring blessing into that relationship that had been broken. One of the things I'm always struck by, um, and I'll usually mention this at some point when, I, when I'm teaching, um, is the image that I have in my mind of Jesus. During the time of his crucifixion, he's hanging on the cross, you know, he's in excruciating pain and discomfort, he's being mocked, he's being tortured, you know, um, the crown of thorns placed upon his head, all of that, and yet there's this prayer that he cries out in the midst of it, and you might be familiar with it. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like, he's pursuing shalom in the worst possible circumstance. He's saying, I I I still want forgiveness. I still want blessing to flow. I still want this broken relationship to be repaired, even in the midst of a time where you'd think, man, that would be not possible. It's an amazing image to me that I have to go back to time and again and go, wow, he really prayed that prayer. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like I said, for me, the thing, guys, is that I'm pretty good at living in shalom with the people that are pretty easy to get along with, right? Like, if it doesn't require a whole lot of effort on my part, and, you know, I'll, I'll even set some things aside, but when it really becomes a situation of this person is actively seeming to oppose me, right? Um, they disagree with my views on, on politics. They disagree with my views on whatever cultural issues are going on. Suddenly that shalom becomes a bit more difficult to pursue in that relationship, right? There's a standoffish kind of thing going on. Um, there's less desire on my part to really pursue it. I want to tell you guys a quick story just to kind of highlight what I'm talking about. Um, I live here in Tustin in a, a really quiet neighborhood. Like legit, if you just come to my neighborhood, you might think that no one lives there at all. There was like these, epi- if you guys remember the Twilight Zone, it was like a really old show. There was some episodes where like people, like they would drive into a town and it's just like mannequins living in homes, you know, kind of a thing. And they're like, there's nobody here. Like, you might actually think that if you come into my neighborhood because it's just super chill. My next door neighbor, he travels, you know, like 80% of the time. I never see him. Neighbor across from us, really sweet family, super friendly and surfacy in all of our interactions and totally great. But I have this one neighbor. I was going to call her Karen. We'll call her Lisa. <laughs> Um, just for, you know, the sake of the story, right? Lisa has a four-bedroom house. She lives in all by herself. Good for her, you know. Um, And she chooses, of all those four bedrooms, to kind of spend all of her time in this one bedroom that's very close to our swimming pool, right? So we have a a pool at our house. One of the things that motivated us to want to live in the place where we're at was, man, we have teenagers, we're going to have, you know, pool parties. It's going to be, we moved in there, you know, in July of 2020 when things were really like kind of COVID lockdown stuff happening. And we were like, man, we can just hang out in our pool all day. Like that'll be, you know, sort of our refuge, you know, during that time. Well, fairly quickly, you know, we got to know Lisa just a little bit. 
um, you know, exchanged phone numbers. We started getting text messages uh, from her during the times where we'd be hanging in the pool. Hey, guys, it's a bit loud, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm talking like 2 o'clock on a Saturday. And, you know, we're not just like crank. I mean, got a little bit of music on. Maybe there's a few people over. We're laughing, playing volleyball, whatever, you know, like, hey, I was kind of resting, taking a nap, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm like, you're living in the one bedroom that's right across. Like, you know, you could go upstairs in your massive home that you're in all by yourself. Um, so, you know, it started to grate on me a little bit, like, you know, and we didn't want to be mean, so it was very, you know, okay, we'll do what we can, but we mostly ignored, um, <laughs> to be honest, because we felt, you know, especially me, more so than Jenny, I'm like, this is just unreasonable, you know, like, she's overly sensitive, just get over it, kind of a thing. Um, so it kind of came to a head recently. Um, my daughter, Josie, who she's like the ASB vice president, senior class this year, and this is a big, all the seniors are doing like, you know, everything's about parties, right? School is just like a, you know, background thing to like all the activities and events and homecoming and all that kind of stuff. So they have this, they have this ASB uh, party every year where it's like a pool party. So we said, hey, we'll, we'll host it at our house this year. You know, we're talking eight o'clock on a Saturday. And a lot of the kids were kind of in the front, but a few kids were jumping in the pool and, you know, acting like teenagers, kind of. Not super loud, not super noisy, but just doing their thing. And I was kind of doing some, some stuff to get the party started, you know, as far as like food and, and all of that. And Josie comes in and she goes, Dad, the neighbor is out front. She wants to talk to you guys. And I'll be honest with you guys, I did the most mature thing I could think of to do in that moment. I said, go get your mom. Because <laughs> I knew if I walk out there right now to interact with Lisa about her complaints about this party that really isn't that loud and it's not at a bad time, this is not going to go super well. The good thing is I have a wife who's much more friendly and much more shalomi often than I am. So afterwards, you know, I was going, okay, well, you know, she doesn't like noise. You know, I've got my guitar amp in my bedroom. I can, turn, I can pull the windows up, crank it up to 11, and show her what noise can really be like, you know, kind of. But that's kind of where, I, that's, that's my issue, though, right? And Jenny was like, you know, let's listen to what she had to say. Let's really take heed. I'm not saying we're not going to bend over backwards to, like, acquiesce to all of her demands. We're not going to stop using our we're not going to treat this as though she has, you know, all the rights and we have none. But maybe if we just listen to what she's saying and, and take stock of it and think about the fact that, you know, she does seem to be very lonely. You know, she does seem to have some strange issues and we want to take that into account, right? We're not just going to say, well, forget you. We're going to say, hey, let's, let's listen, right? So Jenny worked out this, this, this system with her, like, it seems like it always surprises her. Like she's just like kind of overwhelmed by the fact that we're having people over to our house for some reason, right? So um, she, she worked out a system of, I'm going to send you a message when there's a party going on. She was like, oh, that would be amazing. Just let me know so I can like be prepared. I'll, I'll leave or I'll, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and, you know, Jenny was like, hey, well, and we always put, you know, we have these like Bluetooth speakers. We always put them right on the side of the pool that's near her bedroom. Let's move those over to the other side of the pool. Like, 
we can still hear music and we can still enjoy it, but it's not like right next to her, right? So all of a sudden, we're taking these steps and we're doing the small things we can to try to pursue shalom within the neighborhood. You know, and I, I can't tell you at this point, oh my gosh, it's working amazing or anything like that. We're kind of going into fall now where we're not in the pool as much and so all of that. But, but the, the whole thing is we're trying. We're making the attempt. We're, we're doing what we can as far as our part goes to pursue peace in this situation. And it reminded me of a, a Bible passage. It's in the book of Romans chapter 14. And this is Paul, who's a Jewish man. He's, he's speaking, he's writing in Romans in Greek, but as a Jewish man, I'm sure when he says the word peace, he's got shalom in mind, you know. This is what he says, Romans 14, verse 19. says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. You guys catch that? He's like, this is not passive. This is active. Let's make every effort that we can to pursue peace, to pursue shalom, and mutual edification. Notice there, he doesn't say, just be a doormat for people, right, and let them walk all over you. He doesn't say, pursue peace, and, you know, if it, if it totally is unfair, and, and you give every, the other person everything, and you get nothing in return. No, he says, mutual edification. What's best for both parties? What's best for both of us? How can we pursue peace, but also realize we want to do what's best for both of us? But we make every effort to do that. We try hard to pursue shalom. It's not always going to happen. That's the reality of the world we live in, right? There's going to be times where you're like, I tried, I made the effort, but then with the good conscience before God, we can say, Lord, I did what I could, you know? And that's what we're trying to do in a small way, you know, in, in this situation in our neighborhood. So I wanted to leave you guys with two things today, um, Two ways I think that we can kind of start walking this path a little bit more. For me, it's something, honestly, like I said, I'm not great at, you know. I, I'm trying to, to lean into this myself, to, to learn to become someone who pursues this, this shalom, God's wisdom um, in my own life. And, and two things really stuck out to me that I really felt like as I was meditating upon this that, that the Lord really put into to my heart. Uh, the first one is just learning how to listen to other people. Learning how to listen, as simple as that. And that maybe seems like, yeah, okay, I listen to people all the time. I listen to podcasts, I listen to this, I listen to whatever. But I'm talking about really taking note of it, really stopping to soak in what we're hearing. This is from Proverbs chapter 23. It says, listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. Like, listen, take things in, let that lead you to wisdom then that's going to put you on that path. Actively listening. I get so busy sometimes. I, don't, I think we're like this, especially Americans, you know, like we're talking to someone and they're telling us about something, some experience they've had that was really cool, and we're already crafting our reply. Like they're not even done explaining how cool this thing was, and we're already like, I got something better. I got something cooler. As soon as they're done, here we go, you know, like, uh, you know, they went to this concert, and oh, this band was amazing, and like, I went to an even better concert, and I'm going to tell them, you know, kind of a thing, and we don't really listen and just soak in 
what it is oftentimes, I don't do that, what people are trying to communicate. You know, I don't know if you guys are like this too, like, you, we have these very cyclical conversations where you go back to the same thing and conversations go the exact same way they did previously. Have you guys ever been in that moment where like you're talking to someone and you're like, we've been here before. Like we've been down this road and we've said these exact same things and it leads us to the exact same place at the end. You know, and Jenny and I don't, don't argue. We, we discuss certain things. And there's been times in those discussions that I'm like, yeah, we've totally had this conversation previously, right? And I think what happens is the two people in the conversation are just simply not listening to what the other person's saying, right? We're pre-programming all those responses. They come out, they come out, they come out, and we don't really get anywhere. We don't really make any progress. There's no growth or maturity at times in those areas because of that. It may seem awkward, but I've tried to learn I'm trying to teach myself to just sit with what someone has to say. Like, don't even reply immediately. Just like soak it in. Be like, hmm, that's an interesting thought. (laughs) You know, like it seems weird because we always want to just like tell them, okay, but now here's my response. Here's what I need to say in response to that. It's okay to not always have a response. It's okay to be like, wow, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to meditate upon what you're trying to communicate to me. I'll get back to you later or something like that. You know, like I said, it's very counterintuitive, you know, in our culture, but it's something I think as followers of Jesus, we need to consider trying to do. To listen, to see that other person, right? Maybe there's something behind those words that they're trying to communicate that if we really sit and listen to it, we'll start to grab onto. We'll start to see that person for more than just an active participant in this conversation, but a person with real hopes and dreams and fears and foibles and and all of that. So number one is listen. Number two, and this one's even a little tougher for me, forgive. Any truly meaningful relationship that we have, a relationship that we want to grow and mature and go deeper in, is going to require forgiveness. Now again, I'm not saying okay, that means you should allow someone to be abusive, right? Uh, verbally or, or, of course, not physically. You should allow someone, give them a license to walk all over you, to hurt you whenever they want to. Not at all, not at all. But the reality is two people in their own broken ways trying to get along, trying to come together, whether that's a marriage relationship, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whether that's just a, a significant friendship in our lives, whether it's, you know, um, with a parent or just anyone, it's going to require at times us having that ability to forgive. C.S. Lewis has an amazing quote. This always sticks with me. It's from his book, uh, Mere Christianity. He says, We all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. Like, As a worship leader, I get up here oftentimes on Sunday mornings and I sing about the beauty of the cross, the beauty of God's forgiveness of sins, the fact that he so freely has given me his grace and his mercy, right? But then he says, now, as you have been forgiven, you forgive as well. It flows out of that, right? The two go together. It starts with God has forgiven me in Jesus. And now he says, go out and be the kind of person who can also forgive.
forgive. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with some hurt in my life from a couple years ago, and I won't go deep into it, but it was a, a broken relationship that was there. And I, I, I start to feel like I'm healing from it. I start to feel like I'm over it, like I'm good. And, you know, this is a relationship that I don't know if it's ever going to be repaired. You know, I'm not sure we'll ever, like, come together in a meaningful way. Maybe at some point, you know. But the thing that keeps coming back to me is, and God keeps showing me, is you still haven't really forgiven. You know, and, and that, that's not a, a word of condemnation to me of, like, you know, how dare you. But it's just a reminder, like, you need to release this person, right, from all these expectations. Could it have gone better and, hope, you know, all of that? Of course. But this is a person who's flawed and broken just as you are. And it's time to let them go. You know, and I'm starting to realize, at least for me, forgiveness is like a spiritual discipline, you know? Something that I need to bring back to the Lord in prayer time and again. When that hurt comes up, when those feelings come up, when I'm going, man, the wound is still deep. God says, all right, lay it again at the foot of the cross. Bring it back to me in prayer. Healing is going to come. That shalom is ahead of you. Walk the path of peace in this situation. And I'm honest with God about those hurts. I'm honest with him. There's nothing that we can bring before the Lord that surprises him, right? Like, you didn't forgive that person? I had no idea. Like, no, he gets it. He understands who we are. And we bring that to him time and again. So just the last word. Um, just an image I, I wanted to share with you guys as we're, we're moving toward the close here. Uh, after Jesus' crucifixion, it tells us in the book of John that the disciples were, were gathered together. You know, his little crew, his cluster of, of people that had been with him along the way. And we know the end of the story, right? We know the resurrection is going to happen, you know, that, that everything they had hoped for is, is going to come to its fruition, right? That victory has already been achieved, but they didn't know that yet. And I'm sure as they huddled together, you know, there was despair, there was doubt, there was anxiety, there was sadness and grief, question marks filling their head in that moment. And when Jesus he suddenly appears in the room, and it's kind of one of these mysterious scenes, right? After the resurrection, um, where it says the doors were locked, and all of a sudden, boom, he just like is there. And the first word he speaks to them is peace. Peace be upon you. Again, as a, as a Jewish man, you know, speaking with his Jewish followers, I really believe it most likely was shalom. I'm here to bring you guys shalom. All this brokenness you've been experiencing, all this hurt, all this anxiety, all this doubt, I'm here. It's going to be all right. My presence is with you. We were, we were talking about this teaching uh, during our teaching team meeting this week, and uh, our elder, Eric West, brought up a good point. He's like, you got to remember, like, we can't manufacture peace. We can't manufacture this on our own. And it's so true. We, we walk in this path. We do the small part we can. But ultimately, it's a creation of God. It's a creation of God's spirit, of his presence. Jesus said, peace be upon you. And the next thing is really interesting, right? He, 
It says he breathed on them, which seems really weird to us. Like, what does that mean? He like, you know, I don't, I don't want anyone breathing on me necessarily, right? But he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's like, I think the two things are very connected, right? Peace be with you. I'm here. The shalom of God is present in this moment. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be activated, be empowered by the presence of God's goodness in this moment. And so I just want to leave you guys with that today. You know, if you're, if you're going, I don't know this shalom thing at all, Joe. You know, like um, my relationships seem to be all messed up, brokenness, hurting. You know, I, I feel like everywhere I go, whether it's work, whether it's home, when I'm driving in my car, whatever, there's no shalom anywhere, you know? I'm fighting battles all the time. I just want to remind you guys of the presence of Jesus in those moments, that he's with you, that he didn't leave you or forsake you in that time, and his desire is to bring the power and the presence of his spirit that you might experience that shalom. So as we close in worship today, I just encourage you guys to press into that. As we sing this last song and um, even as, as we close and we, we worship again, that you would just give those, those broken relationships to God today, those broken situations. Maybe if, if, if it's even just in your own heart, you know, that hurt of, I've blown it. I'm the one who's caused and created this chaos. That you'd be reminded Jesus is with you. That there's no place his shalom cannot reach into in your life to bring healing, to bring reconciliation. So let's worship the Lord right now. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then the team is going to lead us. God, we thank you so much that you have given us such great wisdom in the scriptures. And you've given us this this path of, of peace that we can walk. But we also have to admit, Lord, we need you. And there is no peace without the ultimate prince of peace and his presence in our lives to bring about that good shalom that we need. So I would pray for any of those, Lord, who have just walked in today feeling like, yeah, there's a war going on in my own heart. There's a war going on in my relationships, maybe even in their walk with you, that you would be here this morning, Lord, to bring that peace that your words of truth and of life would invade their hearts even right now with your shalom. And I pray that as we continue to do our small part, God, of, of seeking you, of obeying you, of trusting you, of following you, that as we do that, we would experience your peace like never before. So we commit that to you. Pray now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Breathe upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.